and welcome back to a brand new season of Mother's Ruin, the podcast all about gin. The history of gin, the taste of gin, gin in general. Everything. Yeah. And we're back just in time for World Gin Day. Indeed we are. Which we're very excited about. Everybody should be. It's yeah. the best day, it's better than Christmas. It is for us. Well, our Christmas tends to be gin based anyway. It does, yeah. Because we've got very unimaginative friends. <laughs> yeah. Coming up on today's show, we've World got... World Gin Day special. It is a World Gin Day special. We've got loads of exciting stuff lined up for you. Thrills, spills, and no spills. That'd be silly. Not wasting gin. Yeah. So thrills. <laughs> yeah. Thrills galore. Yeah, so we're going to take you on a trip to Belgium and the Netherlands to learn all about the history of gin's predecessor, Geneva, which is still going strong today. We're going to give you a bit of a, a whistle-stop tour of how Geneva came about. Mm-hmm. We've got an interview coming up, haven't we, Matthew? Yes, we have with uh, the Steinhardt Distillery. In Canada. In Canada, who won, uh, who's what, one of the best German accents I've ever heard. Yeah. Wonderful man. Absolutely wonderful man. So friendly, so lovely. Best, so moustachey. Best moustache I've so ever moustache-y-ord. seen. So moustachey <laughs> And then we're going to take you on a round-the-world tour with a World Gin Day tasting. With the added bonus of it being a game of top trumps. Yeah. Oh, but Matthew, how will that work? (laughs) Check it out. (laughs) Indeed. And then we're going to bring you back home for all the latest gin news. Gin news. So get your drink ready. Glass, ice, favourite gin, a selection of tonic, and off you go. So here we are, history time. It is time for a bit of history. Yes, indeed. Before I start, could I ask what's in your glass there, Matthew? It is a beautiful and apt for this episode. Mm. Dutch gin. Yeah. Black tomato. Black tomato made with... Well, that's the thing. When I first tried it, I was tasting it going, there's an ingredient I can't quite put my tongue on. Because I've been um, quite good at guessing flavours for quite a You're while now. You're a very now. good taster, I have to say. And I was going, there's, nothing, there's something on this black tomato gin, I can't quite... It was black tomatoes, <laughs> it? was it? black tomatoes. It was black tomatoes. Yeah. So it's actually made from black tomatoes. There is black tomatoes in it, yes. Yeah. It is absolutely delicious. It's, um, it's one of your new favourites, isn't mm. it? Now, I like it. I really like it. I am not the best taster in the world, and I can't taste any tomato whatsoever in well, that. Well, I can't taste tomato. It's There's a flavour they've managed to get from tomatoes that is not tomato-y. Right, yeah. I'm wondering if it would pair well with that basil double dutch. Yeah, kind of tom- quite savoury. <laughs> Unless I'm t- trying to make passata rather than gin. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's um, that's what I'm having today. I couldn't recommend it enough. What tonic are you having with that? That is a Britvic. Uh, nice, clean, simple tonic. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's such a good gin and tonic. Excellent. Sadly, due to migraine issues, I'm not drink- having a drink as gonna... we record this. But I can uh, enjoy that by proxy yeah. as I watch you, your happy little face, <laughs> zipping away. Now, Matthew, have you ever heard the story about how fudge got its name? 
funny enough, I used to get read that story when I was a little. <laughs> no. Me old name. Yeah, me old name. Matthew, do you know how fudge was mine? And I go, why have you got that accent? You're from Durham. Oh, <laughs> uh, the times we had. Yeah. Okay, so I take it that's a no. No, then. no, no. It didn't. So legend has it that fudge was created by accident. <laughs> legend has it. Yes. Is the ancient tomes Urban about legend. that? Yeah. yeah. Like people fighting dragons just with Lord Fudge a lot. So it, yeah, it was a failed attempt to make caramel. Yeah. Like Viagra. Like Viagra. Viagra was a failed attempt to. Uh, t- uh, I think it was a blood pressure tablet. Really. And one of its side effects was. Uh, uh, making you suspiciously fat in the trousers. Oh, right. <laughs> yes. Interesting. Yep. So so I could have used that as a simile. But, yes, you could have, um, but you've been more classy than me. Oh, uh, yes, exactly. Managed to crowbar a willy joke in Yeah, there. of course. There may be more yes. as the episode goes on. But so this attempt to make caramel was fudged or, you know, bungled. Yeah, messed well, up. Can have a packet of bungle. That doesn't sound, it the, doesn't same, does it sound the same. It doesn't quite sound the same. But so its name came about. Yeah. Now... What does this have to do with gin? Good. I hear you ask. Good. Yeah, I was about to. <laughs> well, gin is a kind of alcoholic version of fudge, if you will. It was Britain's sort of slightly bungled attempt to make Dutch Geneva. Oh, right. So we've gone to make Geneva and we've just come up with something even better. Pfft, whatever. One well, now. there's... Oh, controversial. And so this week we're going to talk about Gin's older first cousin, good old Geneva. First cousin. Mm. Mm. Or actually, it's probably better and more accurate to describe it as Gin's parent, really. Because Gin is kind of what came about as the result of a fumble between Geneva and some British soldiers on a battlefield somewhere in the southern low countries. Sounds so rude. <laughs> now, I'm sure there's a lot of people I know brought about by a fumble on a battlefield in Newcastle <laughs> <soldier>. City Centre. <laughs> City soldier on leave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oil rig worker on leave. Mm, mm. Just anyone on leave. <laughs> <laughs> but... As, so as you'll know from listening to earlier episodes of this podcast, Which dear listeners, yeah, Dutch soldiers <laughs> gave Brits a taste of this Dutch courage or Geneva as they fought side by side during the Thirty Years' War. And we took a liking to their national drink and soon created our own version of this juniper and botanical infused spirit back at home. Mm-hmm. But if you've tasted Geneva, you'll know that it is a completely different drink yeah, I'm to gin. not particularly a fan of it. You're not a fan, but you're also, you really dislike whiskey, don't you? Yes, I'm not a fan of that. And Geneva can be quite Mm -hmm. whiskey-like. It's a darker spirit, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So gin gin is a neutral grain spirit flavoured with (laughs) juniper. Neutral grain spirit, it's like breakfast cereal gin again. (laughs) Uh, mm. Do you know, they'll, they'll probably make gin from... Cocoa Pops at some point. Yeah, Christ, there's every other flavour yeah, out there. Didn't we hear about one the other day? Sorry to digress, but we heard about a gin the other day that was made with salmon. Salmon gin, yes, we did. Smoked salmon. Yes, from Scotland. Yeah. yeah. It was uh, our good friend Leslie Sloss told us about that. She was on our travels. It makes me feel a little, little bit wretched. Yeah, she sent us a picture going, uh, I think I've seen it all now. Yeah. With s- salmon infused gin. Yeah. What? Like, the Why? thing about salmon is, right, it's not the smell people like. <laughs> 
No. And that's pretty much all you can put into it. Yeah. You can't get the flavour of salmon no. into a gin. No. So just like, what, what do you like in a gin? Just like the smell of fish. Fish. No, no. No. Um, Stop mocking about with the flavours. Yeah. Yeah, but... So, going back to what we were saying, gin is neutral spirit flavoured with juniper and botanicals. And Geneva is also heavily flavoured with juniper Mm -hmm. and botanicals, but the spirit itself is a blend of neutral grain spirit mixed with malt wine, which is a kind of unaged whiskey. Yeah. Now, wine is a slightly misleading term for this kind of bready smelling malted grain mash that forms the basis for Geneva. Another thing that... A delicious drink shouldn't smell of bread. Bread. Yeah. I don't want to drink me buns. But it's also quite sweet and quite rich and quite botanical and as well. I'll have a pint of stotty. <laughs> For anyone outside the northeast, stotty is a massive bread, bread roll. Cake, yeah. Bread roll. Let's not have that argument no, on this let's, podcast. Let's not. So there are several types of Geneva, the most common being old Geneva and young Geneva. Is there any in between? Like middle-aged Geneva? <laughs> Yeah. Toddler Geneva. Teenage Geneva. Teen angst Geneva. Yeah. It's just hard to get out of the bottle. Are <laughs> you coming around? I'm just going to here. Play Fortnite. Yeah. Can I paint my bottle black? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but old and young Geneva don't refer to any kind of ageing process. It actually refers to the old and new production methods. So the view system, oh. which means old system. Like classic cork. <laughs> is there is there anything other than classic coke? Yeah, the new coke came out and uh, caused absolutely massive hassle. Is that right? Yes, that is. You can look that one up. I I would imagine uh, that the new sy- new system Geneva probably caused a bit of controversy when it first came out. I imagine it did, like Bob Dylan going electric. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Judas. <laughs> so. Old Geneva is produced according to this old system and it must contain at least 15% malt wine, but it'll often contain up to 50% of this kind of whiskey-like malt wine. It can also contain up to 20 grams of sugar, so it's quite rich and malty and sweet. Oh, it's like syrup. Yeah. After that, eh? Yeah. So many rules about making booze, isn't there? Yeah, and it's. I guess you could probably compare it to... It's, it's closest gin relative would probably be Old Tom. Mm. So it might be barrel-aged, but it doesn't have to be barrel-aged, but it does have this kind of brownish golden colour. Young Geneva, it's usually Geneva. Uh, I do have a habit of pronouncing Geneva Geneva. Um, I may do it I again do during the course of this episode. It's appalling person. Yeah, but young mm. Geneva is usually clear and it must contain no more than 15% malt wine and no more than 10 grams of sugar. So as a result, it's drier, but it still has that kind of heady, sweet richness that London dry yeah. gin doesn't have. Now, I quite like the the way that it's served. So Geneva is served in... Specific serving suggestions? Yes, absolutely. Nice. It's served chilled and in a shot glass that's actually filled all the way to the brim. Uh So in order to take your first sip, you actually have to bend down and and lap it. you bow down to and drink it like a tiny cat. Yeah, laugh it up like yeah. a, like a cat. Yeah. But you also have to bow to the drink before you, you do. You do. I quite like that. That's quite good. Yeah. Yeah, so, you have to show some reverence yeah, but before I, you drink it. But respect. Yeah, as it should be. And then when you uh, when once you've taken your first sip, you can then lift it because you've drunk enough to lift it, and then you shout cheers or, or gazondite, which is the um, 
the Dutch. Gesundheit. No, I think Gesundheit mm. is uh, bless you in German for when you sneeze. Is it? Yes. Oh, right. I'm sure it is. Like, bless you. because, Or, or it might be cheers or something. Like, because it used to be in the cartoons, Tom and Jerry, if everyone sneezed or something, I guess say Gesundheit. Oh, is that right? Yeah. It's probably morphed, yeah. but um, it, it it actually sounds more like an actual sneeze yeah. than a bless you, doesn't <laughs> it? Go, go, Sunday. So Geneva has a protected designation of origin, so it must be produced in either Belgium, the Netherlands, or some small regions of yeah, France and right. Germany. Yeah, but it's still a big old uh, catchment area. Isn't it? It is a surprisingly big catchment area, and you will often re- ref- hear Geneva referred to as Dutch Geneva. Mm-hmm. And many people associated with the modern day Netherlands. Mm-hmm. However, the actual geographic origin is, is much more complicated than that. So, to trace Gene- uh, Geneva's, Geneva's geographic origins back to the source, we have to talk a little bit about the changing topography of the low countries Mm -hmm. so bear with me for this so until the 1800s and certainly when geneva started to kind of come into being the low countries was a collection of kind of principalities or states that now form the modern day netherlands and belgium so Mm -hmm. we'll often hear what is now the Netherlands referred to as the Northern Low Countries and Belgium referred to as the Southern Low Countries. But when Geneva was born, they were essentially one country. Just one big one, low country. Yeah, yeah. But here's what's even more confusing. So the Southern Low Countries adopted the name the Netherlands, nether meaning low and lands meaning countries. Mm-hmm. And Belgium took obviously took the name Belgium, which comes from the Latin Belgica, which, as you guessed, it means low countries. I didn't so, guess that, actually, I'm going to be honest okay. with you, but now I'm doing it. All right. But, so, Belgium but, and the Netherlands essentially both mean the same thing. low countries, yeah. but uh, in different, different tones. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And before I go any further, I do want to say, if you want to read more about the origins and the history of Geneva... I can't recommend a better book than Geneva, 500 Years of History in a Bottle by Veronique Van Acker, which has been incredibly useful in putting this uh, episode together. Yes, thanks, thanks Verza, as, yeah. as I call them. Yeah, so please do give it a read. It's a really nice, easy read. You can get it from Amazon. Mm-hmm. Now, let's go back to Renaissance period Bruges. Mm-hmm. So Bruges lies a little inland. It's now in uh, modern-day modern Belgium. Um, it's accessible from the sea via this tidal channel known, known as the Golden Inlet, which sounds absolutely amazing. Sounds like something that explorers go to find. Yeah, and it was a bit of a golden goose, really, yeah. because this was how the ships would pass from all over the world, up the channel and, and into the city. The city itself lies at a real crossroads of Europe, so it's sandwiched between Germany and France, and then there's just this narrow strip of sea se- separating Bruges. it from England, yeah. So they just fetched everything up there, like 
Spices. There would have been spices that were from Portugal. There would have been wool. Stag parties from Norwich. Stag parties yeah. from Norwich, yeah. Um, wool from England and Scotland. You said wolves from England and Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, wow. You <laughs> never but, know. Uh, One might have snuck wolf, on the boat. Wolf smuggling was pretty bad back then, wasn't it? You probably would have had quite a few wolves in Scotland have, back then. I have three grey wolves and one black wolf. I'll see what <laughs> <laughs> dire wolves dire wolves the yeah. lot the lot so with this uh, booming economy came uh, great thinkers and alchemists and they started coming up with all manners of kind of medicinal potions combining spirit with botanicals that were concocted in the laboratories and monasteries in the surrounding regions I bet, I bet the spice mixes back then were great, like nothing tampered with. The spice mixes, like cur- curry mix. Curry mix, mix uh, yeah. You know, like enchilada a, mix. Uh, enchilada mix, <laughs> uh. <laughs> Yeah. But in 1500, something really sad happened to oh, Bruges. No. I don't know what happened to Bruges. The golden inlet started to silt up. Well, it's actually silted up pretty quickly and rapidly. <laughs> oh, no, nothing worse than your inlet <laughs> silting up, is that? <laughs> and we've got a poo joke. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> You made it a poo joke. I was going to make it part of possible not to be able to go for a wee joke. Oh, okay. Wee wee jokes. If your yeah. inlet was uh, silting up. <laughs> Sounds like gallstones. Have you been there, Matthew? <laughs> no, not yet. I'm, I'm but a lad. <laughs> um, and despite attempts to modernise the infrastructure, over the next few decades, this jewel in the Low Countries crown started to tarnish. All the cranes stopped working, the waterfronts that were once buzzing with activity started to fall quiet and sadly the population started to leave. A lot of prostitutes out of work, I imagine. Uh, there probably would have been, they actually. Would have been, of course they would Yeah, die. yeah. Oldest, uh, what they call the oldest tr- existing trade. And then there's always the people that argue that what were the men paying them with? <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Why did the men get the money to pay them Donkeys, with? maybe. <laughs> God, that's a very niche. Uh. <laughs> so back to back to um, Renaissance period Bruges. Um, so <laughs> that was a, that was a hell of a tangent. <laughs> um, so with this kind of flattening of the economy, um, the kind of intellectual activity, uh, the economic activity, it all shifted to Antwerp, which is about thirty miles north of Bruges, still in what is now Belgium. And so this new city of Antwerp really started to to blossom. So out of these, it would be all flat green fields around, and then this tightly packed walled city. And there would have been spires and windmills and a parade of tall ships filing into the harbour, and. Antwerp fast became the richest city in Europe. Hundreds of ships passing um, by each week and I think 2,000 carts entering the city a week. Um, so Portuguese ships with pepper and cinnamon unloading their cargo. You That's can an awkward journey. Was... I can imagine it was a hard to breathe, <laughs> hard to breathe trip. That one. Imagine the sneeze fest. Gazondating <laughs> yeah. all the way. Imagine how many people, how many gazondites were said yeah. on those trips. Oh. Yeah, cinnamon as well. Remember they did the cinnamon challenge. The, oh God, the c- <laughs> That's, that's where it all started. Just, I know, just loads of sailors going, put it on YouTube. <laughs> um, so again, you know, poets, philosophers, physicians flocked to the area. The the city's exchanges were opened up to merchants from all over the world. And the way I like to think of it is, so 
think of Silicon Valley, where all the kind of cutting edge and lucrative ideas are born. And then combine that with somewhere like Shenzhen in China, where all the, the hardware is actually made. So it was just this enormous melting pot of ideas and productivity. It would have been absolutely, uh, you know, the, the centre of, of, of Europe, really. And Antwerp's golden age can, coincided with what's known as Europe's age of exploration or the age of discovery. And this was essentially the start of globalisation, mm, really. Yeah. Now... Discovery is quite a polite yeah. term. <laughs> oh, look, uh, look what we found. That, that's my house. Yeah, well, yeah. it's ours now. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so we've discovered that. That's a word. Yeah, absolutely. I really, I really don't like the term because it suggests that these kind of foreign lands were just waiting to be discovered by the yeah. right people. They just sit there going, we can't have any culture till they yeah, arrive. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. When, when actually what it meant was was that, that we, we pillaged, you know, we pillaged the rest of the world, yep. really. And um, it was the start of kind of slavery on a mass scale and a huge stripping of natural assets from the world. And this kind of globalisation massively changed the fortunes, but also the health of the region. So in the sh- same ships as the cure came disease. It was the cure. <laughs> Even back then, the world tour, <laughs> world tour, fifteen ninety. It be Friday. Yeah. I'm in love. Yeah. <laughs> and so the alchemists got busy putting pen to paper and started noting down all of their medicinal recipes. And one such alchemist was Philippus Hermani, who was a physician in Antwerp. And in fifteen fifty two, he penned a book on distilling that included the pre- preparation of a method of juniper juniper berry water. Juniper berry water. Mm. That sounds like a delightful soft Sounds drink. refreshing, doesn't it? Does, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. But it was essentially the first Geneva recipe. So the juniper berries were crushed, sprinkled with wine, and then distilled <laughs> in an alembic. They could hardly have done that without the wine. But they just get, what does this need? Just pop a bit of wine, a bit, bit of wine bit on there. Yeah, yeah. And it was in this latter half of the 16th century that distilled drinks became recreational as opposed to medicinal. Now, we've talked in earlier episodes about how Sylvius de la Bowie was credited for popularising Geneva in Holland. Uh, He worked at the University of um, um, Leiden. Mm And we talked quite a bit about him, and you can hear about more about him in episode two of this podcast. But it may indeed be the case that Hermani got in there first, which is which would mean that Geneva was essentially invented in what is now Belgium. Another string to their ball. Yeah, so why then has Geneva become more closely associated with the Netherlands than with Belgium? I don't know, Sarah. Tell me the uh, facts. Well, it's a long story, and I think I don't think we'll, we'll cover it all in, in this episode. I think we'll, we'll do this in two parts. Let's. Yeah, but... Two fact attacks. Yeah, two fact attacks, yeah. Fact attacks. Fact attack. Fact attack. Gin fact attack. Gin facts. 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 But I'll just... Do you want to fact that? Yeah, it was really good. I'll add some more later. It's fine. But now we'll we'll kind of briefly start to touch upon why Belgium lost its grip on this kind of Geneva-making heritage. And it started really in 1585 when the the Catholic Spanish army took Antwerp the city was forced to surrender and all Protestants were given four years to settle their affairs and basically get out of the city 
Now, this meant that... As horrible as that is, that sounds quite reasonable for what not people normally used to do, doesn't it? Yes, exactly. you got four years to start out, rather just, just kill them. Yeah. Just kill them, Consi- get over there. Considering what uh, Western Europeans were doing in other countries. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, don't get us wrong, we're still out of no, lane. No, we're still absolutely but, I mean, out of you know. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So here comes now yet another migration of the merchants and the thinkers, but this time they migrated north, especially to uh, Amsterdam, which then became the capital of the Dutch Republic. So it was around this time the British soldiers who'd been sent to help in the fight against the Spanish developed a taste for Geneva and took that appetite back to Britain. But we struggled with the complexity of the recipe and ended up drinking ourselves to death on a crude mix of grain spirit and if we were lucky juniper and if we weren't lucky something like oil of turpentine. As we know, this laid the foundations for the gin craze in Britain. Mm. And I won't really talk about that because A, it's beside the point and B, listen to episode two. You'll hear all about that um, in that episode. But to exacerbate the the southern low countries problems, a series of poor grain harvests in the 17th century led to a ban on distilling grain spirit in Belgium. <laughs> you imagine that now? They'd rather not make bread than make booze, I imagine. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And again, then the distillers started migrating to Dutch regions. So the Geneva culture in the Netherlands absolutely exploded during the 18th century. Cities like Rotterdam, Schiedam and Amsterdam became choked up with all this smoke from distilleries. That's not why they got choked with smoke. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, now they choke on a very different kind of smoke. Um, And these giant windmills started appearing. So, you know, windmills are um, absolutely iconic to Mm -hmm. this day in the region surrounding Amsterdam and throughout the Netherlands. Um, And this was because they were using wind power to mill the grain to make Geneva. And the funny thing about these windmills is that they had to be absolutely monstrously huge in order to capture enough wind to power the mills. So imagine these pokey little streets with small small dwellings and narrow alleyways just absolutely dwarfed by these giant windmills. It's quite a sinister image really right, look cool yeah very steampunk yes very yeah. very steampunk and along with this boom in distilling came an explosion in population and inevitably with that disease alcoholism and slum housing conditions and as a result Shedham earned the nickname Black Nazareth which cool is name, a, which right. is an incredible Isn't nickname cool yeah sounds like a detective yeah and I'm not entirely sure how this name came about. I, I think black is self-explanatory. It's because of the um, the buildings and all the walls became yeah. really stained with, stained with soot. Industrial waste. Yeah, but Nazareth, I think, was probably just a bit of a joke, given mm. the, the slightly hellish conditions that were starting to come about in these three cities. And owing to time, I am going to leave the story there as Belgium really starts to lose its place at the forefront of Geneva production while production in the Low Countries really starts to gather steam. And we'll cover part two of this next week. But I think it's a really interesting story. And once again, do have a read of Veronique Van Acker's book because that really covers this in in an awful lot more detail. But I think we're going to have to definitely do a Geneva tasting on the well, show at some point. Yeah, well, well, oh yeah, we'll definitely get involved. Maybe with that. do that next week. Maybe try and do that next week. Yeah, yeah. see if we can find some Geneva. Yeah, or Geneva. Geneva. Depends how you want to see it yeah. next week. Yeah, yeah. Hi right, there. That's that's uh, that's part one over and done and dusted.
and welcome to a very special World Gin Day section. World Gin Day! Top trumps around the world in eight gins. Special edition. That's the new jingle. That's the new jingle. It's ours, TM, Mother's Ruin podcast. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to take you on a whistle-stop tour around the world with eight very specially selected gins from the Mother's Ruin gin cabinet. Yes. And to add an extra dimension, we're going to play against each other in top trumps. Now, all eight gins have been scored on four key factors. What are the key factors, Sarah? Let us in on it. We've got the juniper factor. Juniper factor. We've got the botanical factor. Botanical factor. We've got the aesthetic factor. Aesthetic factor. And we've got the cool factor. Cool factor. So, the juniper factor and the botanical factor, we haven't scored that based on the number of botanicals or how much juniper's gone into it. We've scored it based on what we really feel characterises that gin. Now, Matthew, are you ready to play World Gin Day? Top trumps. Born ready, in a weir. Pick your first card. Okay. Right. Choose a factor. My factor would be aesthetic factor. <laughs> Good luck beating this. And what did you score on aesthetics? Ten out of ten. Uh-oh. What did you get? I got nine out of ten. You got nine, nine. out of ten. Unlucky, because mine was the beautiful, all the way from Canada, Empress 1908 gin. Okay. Aesthetic? Why do you suppose it got the 10? Yes, because it's purple and it changes colour, right? It bloody does. Yep, you're right there. And what else did you get? What were the other factors? Well, the juniper factor was 5. Botanical factor 5 as well. It's got some unusual botanicals in, I'll tell you about in a minute. But it's it's also got... Um, it's not got like as varied range. But it doesn't matter because it is actually a delicious gin. It's not just one of those colour-changing ones that's like, hey, look, it changes colour. It's not style over space. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And Cool Factor got seven, because it is pretty cool, playing All with right. science. Well, let's taste it, and uh, then I'll tell you about mine. Yes, okay, let's just have a bit of ice. Now, I've also put on the back of these cards cool facts about the gins. So now, while you're pouring, why don't you tell us your cool fact? Well, the 1908 Empress takes its name for a well-fancy hotel. And uh, that well-fancy hotel is uh, the... Well, it's the Empress in Victoria, in uh, in Canada. And it uses the tea as one of the botanicals that they use for their fancy afternoon teas. Really? Yes. So we're expecting to taste some tea essence here. We'll try it without the... Okay, so you've poured it and it's, a, it's, it's, it's blue. It's like meth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like Heisenberg's Not, meth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's almost creamy, but you can get the tea. Very slightly getting the tea yeah, there. Yeah, it's beautiful. Let's try it. I'll tell you what. It's quite a, quite a bit of earthy and let's watch it change colour. And go. it's gone a... Beautiful. Violet. Turpentine purple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, that's a gorgeous colour, isn't it? Yeah. Picture the Joker's suit, if you would. Yeah. Try it with the tonic. Now, I see why you've scored that low on the juniper factor. Yeah. But there's a really interesting botanical there. You mentioned the tea. Mm-hmm. Is that what's? Is that what I'm tasting? I think it is. Yep. It has got that kind of tea bitterness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the other bitterness. It. Yeah, yeah. Like the, um, yeah, it's delicious, isn't it? Great stuff. Okay, so uh, you win on the Empress. I'm afraid Empress has beat my Monkey Forty Seven from Germany. Well. It won on aesthetic factor. I know Monkey 47 scores pretty highly on everything else. Beautiful. For the juniper factor, I've got an 8. For the botanical factor, I've got a 10 because, of course, it's highly botanical. 47, I understand. 
It does indeed use 47 botanicals native to the Black Forest region in Germany. Aesthetic factor, we love the bottle oh, the of bottle this. Oh, the bottle is just incredible. It's got a beautiful hand-drawn image of a monkey in a tree. And cool factor, I've given this a nine because I love the fact that it's got a steel ring around the cork. Yes. With a Latin inscription on it, which means from, from many, many comes one. one. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes the bartenders, you'll say, if you say bartenders, like serious bartenders, they'll, they'll wear that ring themselves. As a thumb ring. It's very large. I have tried putting it on oh. myself. Tasting that neat now. Oh, and absolutely delightful. Were we right to score this a 10 on the oh, botanical factor? Easily. No, oh, it's like you can't pick a flavour because there's that many exploding. It's exquisite. I think, you know, it remains, it's remained a firm favourite. Let's try it with a bit of a tonic. Mmm. Lavender. Lavender flies through that, the middle of that one. Sound, sounding pretentious now, but it does. I'm tasting a kind of piney sort of flavour. Mm. Tree-based food yeah. <laughs> flavour, yes. It very much is like a trip to the Black Forest. So Canada beats Germany there, but I think Germany's got a moral victory if you well, look at this. yeah. If you look at the rest of the scores on that card, yeah. so well done, Empress. It, I mean, well, de- you know, well deserved. It is a beautiful, beautiful gin. This, uh, the Empress. Sorry, going back briefly to the Empress would make a lovely gift. That yes, because of the kind of the the beauty of it. Okay, let's move on. Yes. As winner of the last round, Matthew, you get to choose this round as well. Which factor would you like to choose? Um, you can choose. Can I? Okay, I'm going for cool factor. Okay, what's your cool factor? My cool factor is 10. Uh-oh, he beat us by one. Okay, well, we'll hear about yours in a minute. What did you get? You got nine on the cool factor. I got nine on the cool factor. Hold that thought, and I'll tell you what I've got here. Here I have got the Blind Tiger Gin from... Cool name anyway, Belgium, yeah. We really wanted to include a Belgian gin in here because of our history lesson this week being all about how gin's predecessor was essentially born in what is now modern-day Belgium. So we've got a gorgeous Belgian gin here. Juniper Factor is a mere six on this, and not because it's lacking, but simply because the botanical factor really wins the day for this gin. Yeah, oh, it's, it's very floral, it's, very floral, and there's the nose to it. It's got something called passion flower in it, which is yep. incredibly distinctive, um, and just gives it a real delicate floral edge without being overpoweringly so. Um, for the aesthetic factor, we gave Blind Tiger an eight, and that's because it's got a beautiful opaque black bottle with a gold uh, image of a tiger wearing an eye patch on the front and for the cool factor we gave this a 10 out of 10 because of various reasons number one it's won three international gold medals yeah it don't get cooler than that no um two it comes from belgium as we've said Mm -hmm. and number three and the name has quite a cool origin so during american prohibition speakeasies were often known as blind tigers as a kind of code word. Mm -hmm. So patrons would pay to see the blind tiger and they'd get a free drink with it. Um, The blind tiger was seldomly seen, unsurprisingly. Is that weird? Why did they select blind tiger? I guess... Uh, Wait, do you want to see a deaf camel? (laughs) Yeah, I know. It could have been like a white tiger or something. Do you just want to see a disabled animal? Yeah. (laughs) It's a bit sad, isn't it? It is a bit. It is cool. Um, Uh, Let's have a taste. It's like palm violets. It's um, it's like a palm violets for adults, not without the sweetness. Yeah, and I, I don't want to put people off by saying palm violets because palm violets yeah. are so floral. Yeah. But 
I know what you mean. It's just got that that edge, that that yeah. sweet floral edge, and that must be the passion flower coming yeah. through. So let's Beautiful. taste it with the tonic. Try it with tonic. Oh, oh, I know that's something else. Oh my god! That is a great gin, isn't it? Wow! Yeah. I'm absolutely blown away by that. I can see why that's won many yeah. international awards. There's something special about it. It's deep, isn't it? It's mm. like you, you, you can't quite decide which way your tongue's going on um, flavours, can yeah. you? You're like, oh, I can taste the lap. Oh, hang on, what's that? Oh, it's creamy. Yeah. Oh, it's floral. Oh, it's it's kind of sweet. Oh, it's it's dry. It's, um, it's bloody delicious. That's yeah, that's what it is. Okay, so that's Blind Tiger. Tell me what you had. Unfortunately, you lost this round, but let's hear what you had anyway. Well, we went to Australia. With mine, uh, yeah. four pillars, in a particularly Australian way, bloody Shiraz. Yes. Uh, bloody Shiraz gin. Doesn't uh, look like gin, does it? It looks like red wine. Looks like red wine. Uh, there's a reason for that. Yeah. What they do is they steep their uh, wine grapes in gin. Right. So basically, what they've got is grapes that they're going to make in a wine that's already full of gin. Right. They make the wine, and then they put it in more gin. What? With those grapes. How good's that? And I'll tell you what, tell you what, let's just cut a couple of ice cubes. And you know what? Don't even need tonic with this. No, it's very sweet, isn't it? And if I understand correctly. Yep, it is very sweet. It tastes a little bit blackcurranty, I think. Like, it looks like Ribena. It does. Oh. Oh. Oh, just have a just have a swallow of that. Good God, that is so good. Yeah, if, um, like, that's a gin that I would give someone to say I don't like gin. Yes. Say try this. Absolutely. If you don't like gin, try that. Now we scored that low on the juniper and botanical factor, didn't we? Yes, because it's three... a, it's it's basically it's a, it's, it's a wine with the gin in it. <laughs> yeah. So we got three on each of those. But three juniper the... aesthetic nine because it just it and the bottles absolutely like you know what it's one of the simpler designs but it's perfect. Very simple, very classy design and cool factor nine just because of the production method. Yeah. But um, flavour wise, I mean. It could be drunk, like you say, neat as a liqueur. It's full strength gin. Yeah. But it's it's it certainly is. It's on at uh, oh thirty seven point eight. Mm. So it's not full full strength. Well, it's not kind of it's full strength, but it's on the on the lighter side yes. of, of full strength. Do you want a bit say. of tonic in there? Have a taste. Let's try it with a bit of tonic. But like you say, it doesn't really it feels like gild in the lily a little yep. bit. Still beautiful, but the fizz oh in. It's God. even better with the fizz in, isn't it? I think the fizz gives it a lovely taste. That is what that's that's kept my top five, you know, straight away. Absolutely, and nice that it's representing Australia. You can almost taste the sunshine yeah. that's gone into yeah. those grapes. I just say uh, the uh, the tonic what we're using is uh, Fever Tree. Yeah, just, just a uh, classic Fever Tree. The classic Fever Tree. We're not uh, we're not mucking about with the flavours here. Yeah, not mucking about. So you win, you win that one. But nevertheless, a strong performance from Four Pillars there. Yes. Now, as the winner of last round, <laughs> well, I'm not even bothered. I get to choose, and I am going for Juniper Factor mm-hmm. 10. Oh, dear. Okay, you win that round easily. What you get? I've got four. On the Juniper Factor. Okay, yeah. well, hold the thought. Don't tell me what you've got yet. I have got, in the United Kingdom's corner, all the way from northeast England, <whistles> Heppel. Heppel Gin. 
Now, Heppel, we scored this really highly on the Juniper Factor, and I will tell you why. Tell me for why. They use an incredibly sophisticated method of extraction. They certainly do. It's CO2, isn't it, if I understand correctly? Yes. It's um, intent, using intense pressure. Yeah. They blast the juniper. Shreds it to pieces. Shreds it to pieces, almost on a molecular level, yeah. um, to extract the flavour. It's vacuum distilled. Vacuum distilled. That's, well. that's, the, that's the process. Now, the this CO2 extraction is usually used for fine perfume production. Yeah. So, so let's check its nose out. Yeah. I'll just pour this one. Cut um, ice cubes. Clop. On the botanical factor, we scored it eight because it's it oh. is also quite botanical. I yeah. think kind of quite quite sort of piney. Yes, very um, piney. Yeah, because I think they they get all the botanicals from around where they are. Yes, all yeah. local botanicals. Yeah. Um, aesthetic factor. Now we've given this a nine. Yeah. Because the bottle has been designed by the iconic design studio Timorous Beasties, yeah. who are very famous for their wallpaper. Wallpaper and design. It's beautiful, and it's such a beautiful bottle. It's all it's all the juniper berries. So let's have a smell. And number, and five on the on a very respectable five on the cool factor there. Yeah, it's very it's it's cool cool gin. Let's have right. a taste. Yeah, beautiful. It's 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 piney. It's a, it's like breathing in in a wet forest. Oh yeah. Yeah. It does smell like Northumbria, doesn't it? Yeah. Very dry. Very dry indeed, isn't it? Yeah. Very fresh. It's a gin lovers gin. This. Yeah. If you <laughs> if you're a real hardcore gin fan and you want to try something so beautifully made, yeah, gin gin as ginny as it gets. Yes, it really is. It really is. Oh, so you know that's a that's a grown ups gin. That there's no mucking about. There's no fannying on. <laughs> it's no. just a wonderful gin. Just so refreshing. Yeah, just make open your eyes that one, wouldn't it? Yeah, breakfast gin, if anything. So yeah, <laughs> so Matthew. Um, Sadly, not victorious there, but tell us what you have. Yes, well, I've got one of the most unusual gins in the market, and may I say one of my favourites. Mm. It's from the Netherlands. Yes. Geneva's other parent. Other mother. Hi. <laughs> Two mums. Uh, Netherlands, the home of Geneva, of course. Uh, it's black tomato gin, which I was drinking during the history section. You were indeed, yes. Yeah. So we, we spoke a bit about that, but tell us how we've scored it. We've scored it. Juniper factor four, because let's be honest, in a black tomato gin, it's not the heaviest one. It's not the heaviest. Uh, botanical factor seven, because it is, of course, full of unusual botanicals. And I'll, I'll say a bit more about that in just a second. Aesthetic, we gave it six because it's in this little um, saucy little bottle. Black opaque bottle. Black opaque bottle. Yeah. And cool factor 10. And I'll tell you for why on the 10. Please do. Because it has a botanical that is kept a secret. Secret? Yes, like Coca-Cola or uh, KFC. <gasps> Come on, Super Taster Matthew. You can fathom what it is. I couldn't even work out the black tomato. No, you I, couldn't. That's true, correctly. yeah. We've got no hope. Yeah, I've got no hope at but all. let's have a taste Let's anyway. have a taste of it. It's slightly yellowy. Golden. Okay. Yeah. It's got a lovely nose to it. Not getting much aroma from that, to be honest. Oh, to taste that neat. Yeah, it's got like a, it's got a sugary aftertaste like a Haribo. It has like a citrusy Haribo. Beautiful citrusy aftertaste. Yeah. That's a very good mm. way of describing it. And I guess it's that sourness that you're getting from mm. the but from the tomato. Yeah, I from guess. the tomato. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Let's try with a bit of tonic. Bit of tonic in there. And that's just one of the most perfect gin and tonics. 
I was reading about it, and it says uh, it doesn't it doesn't particularly go well as a gin and tonic, and I thought that was absolute nonsense. I think it goes very well with tonic. I guess the sourness coupled with the bitterness mm-hmm. wouldn't be to everyone's palate, but then the range of tonics that you can get now. Yeah, of course. For example, I'd be interested in trying that with one of the slightly sour tonics, like a yuzu tonic, or um, I think you suggested earlier the, the basil. The pomegranate and basil yeah. from Double Dutch. Uh, yeah, but, but like again, that would be actually... That would almost be making a passata rather than yes, a gin and tonic, yeah, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. But this is one Pop of your... this on some ravioli. Yeah. But yeah, this is absolutely one of your is my favorites. Yeah, one of my current favourites, yeah. yeah. I absolutely adore them. So, and we'd very much like to get in touch with the people that make it and have a chat to them about their gin. We would indeed. We would Maybe indeed. he's a wrangle that secret recipe or something. Yeah, I doubt that. <laughs> no theories on the Mystery Botanical then, Matthew? Yeah, that's a good good question. Hang on. I'm going something like black limes, Persian limes or something. Something citrusy. Yeah. Could even be yuzu. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something sour and citrusy. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. Okay. Right, well, I'll, I'll go on this one. Oh, will you indeed? Yeah, I've decided. Aesthetic factor 10. Boom! Oh. Okay, I've got aesthetic factor nine, so oh, I'm a close runner-up. So close. Before I tell you about mine, then, as the victor, you tell us about yours. Well, mine got aesthetic factor ten because it is one of the most beautiful Art Deco bottles. It's aviation. Then. It's aviation gin. Representing it, the United States of America. Yes, uh, well done. But it's absolutely beautiful. The bottle is absolutely incredible. It's it's. It looks like an old one of the old silver planes that they used to have the pinup girls painted on the side. Yeah. Probably where it gets its name from. Yeah, uh, it's not very juniper led. You only got five on the juniper, six on the botanicals because Ryan, one of the uh, founders of the gin, tasted this non juniper led kind of ginning, hmm. but it was still had juniper in it, and he and he loved it. And it reminded him of the prohibition cocktails where the alcohol was the leading flavour rather than anything to mask the alcohol. Oh right! It was to remind people there's alcohol in it. Have a good time. Yeah. Because you couldn't get alcohol in, so if you taste the alcohol, you were like woohoo. Interesting, because, yeah, I've tasted this before and we'll taste it quickly now. Yeah. Neat. It's like licorice. Yes. But again, don't let that put you off, because like, we go mad over aviation mm. over here and we love it. And one of the main reasons, of course, which is why I got 10 on the cool factor, is Ryan Reynolds yes. wants part of it. So, yeah. And he does all the cool adverts, and we do love Ryan. Yeah, And incidentally, Ryan, should you want to uh, come on this podcast and do some uh, interviews, you know, Get me in a film, anything along those lines. But mainly, if you want to do an interview for the podcast, that'd be great because yeah. we'd very much like to have you on. Yes. Um, let's try you, with the tonic. Let's try with the tonic. It's a bit of an eye widener, that isn't it? It is. Yes, I know what you mean. You go, Whoo! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And witch hazel. That's that's a great yeah tea tree. Yeah. It just smells clean. Mm. I think that's lovely. Yeah. It's very medicinal flavour. It is, and it's not too floral, it's not too herbal. Not Zero nonsense in that. Zero nonsense. Apart from Ryan Reynolds mucking about. Yeah. Now, I'll tell you what I had. I've got, representing Japan, I've got Roku. Mm-hmm. Uh, juniper factor, we gave it six. Yep. Um, it is strong on the juniper, but uh, other yeah, it's overwhelmed. Yeah, all, other flavors beat juniper into the ground. Yes. Take its dinner money and say, "Don't mess with me. I am six other flavors." Exactly, and that's why we've given it eight on the botanical factor. And um, it's got yuzu in it, which gives it this gorgeous 
almost sweet and sour yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of flavour. Um, aesthetic factor, we've given it a nine. It's got a beautiful embossed hexagonal Gorgeous bottle. And cool factor, a respectable five. Yeah, because uh, I think one of the coolest things about it is made by the Centauri. It's made by Centauri. And which Centauri is, is... Which was made iconic by the Bill Murray film Lost in Translation, oh. where he's trying to film the advert time after time. For relaxing time. Make, Make it Centauri time. time. More intensity. Yeah. <laughs> I love the fact that uh, it has six botanicals. It has a hexagon-shaped bottle. And the name Roku is Japanese for six. Um, it's uh, just beautiful to look at and beautiful to taste. Yeah, all all very, round. One all of Japanese our ingredients as well. Yeah. Sanshaw pepper. Oh, sounds delicious then. Let's have a taste of this. Oh. It tastes like if you chop your vegetables up to put one in the pan just before that waft. It comes out like an organic wave of, of yeah. scent. It's, yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah, but with yeah with that just that hint of sourness, which I really like. Let's try that with the tonic. Calm it down with a bit of a sweeter tonic. And when you add the tonic, oh, it just comes. Al- that's a gin that comes alive with with tonic. There are some gins that you have to be extremely right. careful when you add the tonic because they can very easily be overpowered. Roku, you've added a, a, a just a, just, a, just a, again the uh, fever tree. But it's it's brought it really brought it to life. Mm. So um, all round a winner. So. I mean, there's no, there's no real winner. I think. I think we're the winners in yeah. a way, <laughs> because we've got a table of uh, yeah, eight we've got glasses a table, of gin, eight glasses of gin that we're going to have to not tip out because yeah. that would be wasteful, and we don't like waste. No. But I think we've given you a bit of a world tour there. So yeah, and let us know what your favourite worldwide gin is from a country of origin that's not your own. That'd be fantastic. Agreed. But that was great. I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed that very much. Yeah. Happy World Gin Day. Happy World Gin Day. Chin, chin. Indeed. Gin News. Headlines today. Waste of a good gin. Unwanted produce becomes gin. Middle glass of gin. Waitrose brings gin to you. Gin goals. Stevie Gerrard brings out his own flavoured gins. Now, waste of a good gin. Unwanted produce becomes gin. Now, Hike Gin in Surrey uses grapes that have been passed over and rejected by a packing plant that just packs them into the punnets and sends them out as grapes for little children to munch on and for Roman emperors to be fed. (laughs) Uh, And... uh, they take them rather than letting them go to waste. They were destined for composts. So and, what's wrong with uh, them? Are they just a bit just, squished? Yeah, it's just like you know, like brought biscuits. Yeah, basically, they're yeah, perfectly imperfect, good, uh, yeah. imperfect for for to go into a plastic punnet where everyone can see them, basically. Yeah. Uh, and they were go- they were destined for compost, not animal feed, but instead, uh, hike gin has created the spirit that they then used to make their craft gins. Wow, that's such a good idea. Yeah, so it saves waste. I mean, obviously, I'm going to have to think of something else to create compost to grow stuff and yeah. those animals will starve, but we've got a lovely new gin and it's, <laughs> it's not uh, it's not using up much more resources. That's fantastic. Yeah. So what's this gin called? It's called Hike Gin. Hike Gin. H-Y-K-E. Right. We must try and grab mm. some. Now, middle glass of gin. Waitrose brings gin to you. Oh. It's now, basically... 
Can I just interject here because mm -hmm. um, we're going out uh, on World Gin Day and anybody who's not based in the UK might need a little context here. You say middle class in your headline. That's because Waitrose is the... Yeah, so, so think of your most budget supermarket and then just add £10 onto everything. Yes. That's what yeah, I trust. Yeah, That's yeah. it's trust. a very, very expensive um, but luxury go supermarket in but the But everyone UK. goes a little bit uh, crazy for it because you get free coffee if you've got a card. Yes. Yeah, but apparently they've got um, a home gin tasting experience. It, it's like an Anne Summers party. Right. I was going to say but for the kids as well, but no, it's not. It's gin. Right. Uh, it's... It's like a Tupperware party where someone will come round. But not a pyramid scheme. No, <laughs> no. They'll come round with um, five kinds of gin. Yeah. It's an experience type thing. All right. So five types of gin. Uh, the person that comes round will like they'll be the gin expert. Right. And they'll teach you the history. Done it. Yeah. We've already taught you the history. Yeah, well, you can get it for free yeah. on this podcast. Uh, and how you can create the perfect gin, the perfect mixers. Check. We've done that as well. <laughs> And then they'll fetch five gins for you to taste. Right. And then they'll charge you at uh, £400 wow. for this experience. Wow. Tell yeah. you what, if anyone doesn't want to pay £400... I will happily pop round. We'll pop round. With five bottles of gin I got from any shop. We've got about 100 gins sitting about behind 100 us. Gins we'll bring here. some samplers. Bring some samples. Uh, and I will only charge you... What, I tell you what, I'll bring a book. Just, just play how you feel. If you just give us some like Fox's Crunch Creams or something while we're while we're while we're doing it, or better biscuits. You Fox's can't get Crunch a better Creams. biscuit than Fox's Crunch Creams. Are we going to have an argument about this as well? We can do. Well, about biscuits on a gin podcast. All right, move on. G good one. Uh, so yes, uh, you fetch your trolls into your house, and they will. Uh, they will. Okay, I mean that is that is quite expensive, but. It sounds like fun. For a really special occasion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, I mean, like, as much know, as we'll rinse a hindu it. Hindu or a stag. Yeah, as do much as we'll rinse it. That's it. And I'm sure I'm sure the person still knows the stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like it'll be a, I think it'll be a potted history. It won't yeah. be as a detailed or as brilliant or as hilariously no. funny as ours. No. But then again, what, what is, is? <laughs> Now then Gin goals. Stevie Gerrard brings out his own flavoured gin. What the hell is that all about? Now, do we need to explain who Stevie Gerrard is? For Probably the rest do. Of the Stevie world? Gerrard is a superb footballer that played for Liverpool and uh, scored loads of goals and did very well. And now he's a manager. Yeah. In in soccer. Soccer. Yes. Sorry, if there's any Americans, that's a football. Because what you describe as football isn't football. Is people bashing their own? Yeah. Brains out. It's most entertaining still. Yeah. And I do like playing John Madden on my PlayStation. So, yeah, American football <laughs> is players bashing their own brains out and British football is spectators bashing each other's yeah. brains out. Yeah. 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 If they're from close enough cities. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but apparently he's releasing... Stephen Gerrard, who is a massive icon of Liverpool. He is, he is. Be, and England. Yeah. He's a great player. He's releasing a flavoured gin using his already released branded water... Angel Alkaline Water. Never heard of Angel Alkaline Water. Well, it sounds like a sports water. Right. Where they say, oh, we'll put something in it that'll make you be sporty. Just, it's alkaline. Yeah. <laughs> Bit of chalk. Yeah, exactly. This whole uh, sports water. Isotonic water. What does yeah. that mean? Just drink it. Do sports. But what does it mean, though? Hey, yeah. sports. <laughs> it's blue. Yeah. <laughs> But the flavours yeah. are the usual flavours, I'm afraid. But they've got lime and lemon and blueberries. The new, like seems to be the new one. I think Whitley Nail's got a new blueberry one out now. But watermelon. 
Mm. Watermelon gin. I'm intrigued. What's your feelings on that? Intrigued. intrigued. I love watermelon. Yeah, but, but like the Jolly Rancher watermelon flavour always gets The best. Me. What? Yes. Yeah. We're going to argue about Jolly yeah, Ranchers not. now. No. But anyway. Can everyone just please confirm that watermelon flavoured Jolly Ranchers are the worst. If you could get, let us know, that would be. Tweet us at Mother's Room Pod. Uh, Instagram us at Mother's Room Podcast. Email us at Mother's Room Podcast at gmail.com. Go oh, to www.mothersroompodcast.com <laughs> and submit an inquiry via the website. Yes, about why watermelon Jolly Ranchers yeah. are dreadful. Mm-hmm. But yes, he's got he's got that coming out. That's for football, but footballers normally produce like celebrities when they put their things. Hasn't Beckham got a whiskey? Has he? She will Beckham's I didn't know a, that. She will Beckham's girl whiskey and put like, when it's, at least it's a booze though, you know, like mm. you can't go far wrong with uh, with booze, can you? Like, you know when people start Unicorn doing, tears. <clears throat> yeah, that was pretty horrible. But yeah. I don't think unicorns brought it out. No. You know, like when celebrities decided to tack the name on something like Sense especially, mm. where you looked at, what was it? Britney. Yeah, Britney. I mean, like, I, you know, she was a good entertainer. I didn't want to smell like her. Mm. Especially in that period where she's here, <laughs> can't imagine she'd be here very frequently. I think, mm, probably. Cigarettes and aura yeah, morph. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm, salty. Mm. <laughs> Tears, that's what it is. I uh, ho- hope you well now, Brittany. Yeah, I do hope you well. So, yeah, I just find celebrity endorsed things probably isn't quality. It's just uh, the name that's tacked with that mm. make people buy it. Do you know what? We'll, we'll give it a try. So, well, that's uh, that's today's Gin News. Time for an interview now. Mm, certainly is. I'm going to interview the head of Thomas Steinhardt from the Steinhardt Distillery over <laughs> in Nova Scotia, where he makes his award-winning... Canadian gin? Yes, we heard about this gin via the World Gin Awards 2019. Best classic gin in Canada. Yeah. Congratulations, Thomas. Yeah. You wonderful man with yeah. your brilliant moustache. He did have a wonderful moustache. Uh, we've never tried this gin. We just wanted to hear more about it because we don't know a lot about Canadian gin. We haven't talked a lot about Canadian gin on this show. Obviously, we've talked about Empress 1908. Yes, Previously on this episode. Yeah, but we don't give it enough coverage. So we thought we'd have a chat with him. Lovely guy. Yes, yes, he's very into his uh, British gins as well. And uh, his gin, he says he can't make it quick enough. Yeah. So let's find out what it's all about. Indeed. So here we are. I'm talking to Thomas Steinhardt, all the way in Canada, in Nova Scotia, I believe. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes, and I understand it's a long family tradition with you, the distillery business. Is that correct as well? Yes, my grandparents, uh, well, I grew up in Lake Forest in Germany, and my grandparents were farmers, and mostly making autovies, but a little gin as well. Since I can remember, I was a little boy, I had to help my grandfather, you know. Starting out with putting wood in the fire, like we had a wood fire, it's still a fairly small one. I'm not trying to give away my age, but it's quite a few <laughs> So it's a long family tradition. And uh, how is the because the gin boom in Britain is huge. I mean, it was I think it was something like two point one. The gin industry was two point one billion last year. So in Canada, you you make um, the Steinhardt gin, yes, and you've got uh, the three yeah. v- three varieties. You've got uh, the classic London Dry. Four. 
Four. Four, yeah. London Dry. Yes, Haskell, Wild Blueberry, and Rhubarb. Rhubarb. Rhubarb's massive over here as well with the gins. Yeah, and I had the one from, what's his name, from Warner Edwards. I love that. Oh, Warner Edwards, yes, it's a very good gin, isn't it? Yeah. The elderflower one's delicious. You do a lot of flavoured vodkas as well. So is vodka bigger than gin over in Canada? Uh, right now it is, but my gin is growing like crazy, especially since at the World Gin Awards since I was announced as best Canadian gin. Yes, congratulations period. on that. Uh, growing like crazy, but that's still not outselling uh, my maple vodka. Oh, maple vodka. It, I imagine that because uh, a lot of my friends go and they fetch maple vodka back in maple wine. So I imagine uh, any of my friends that go over to Canada, the maple vodka is a good thing to fetch back from Canada to prove you've been there. <laughs> it has to be standard maple vodka. As far as I know, I'm the only guy using actually maple syrup. And any clear vodka that says maple vodka, it's artificial. Oh, it's, I think it was the maple wine that must have been fetching back, yeah. Oh yeah, there's maple wine and there's maple liqueur and there's certilas. It's more like coffee than maple, but it's definitely made in it. It's really nice as well. I think I'm the first one who made a straight maple vodka. Big innovator. Yeah. <laughs> who else are the other big players in Canadian gin? Uh, Ugava. Ugava is the only one that like we can get over here. We've got uh, some empress. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of little ones. Like if I go by our, our province, the big players is Hendrix, Tanqueray. I don't even go to Gordon's. Yeah. Like right now in Nova Scotia, I'm outselling Hendrix 3 to 1. Oh, go on. <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm hard, I'm hard on the tankery. Yeah. I have around, last month it was 60% of tankery sales. And by summer, I want to pull even with it. Yeah. Are you taking on the but big Nova Scotia is one of the smallest provinces in Canada. That doesn't mean anything, but it's, I'm very proud of that I can do that. Of course, yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely something to be proud of, especially taking on... I mean, Tanqueray over here is like one of the bar's regulars. If you're in a bar, Tanqueray yeah. and Hendrix, yeah, every bar's got it. Yeah. So Same to here. take on the boys like that, that's very impressive. Yeah, maybe I step on a nice toast that we can work something out one day. Yeah, I, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll smuggle you over. <laughs> we'll get you We'll get you going over here. Uh, uh, do you have a favourite, uh, other than yourself, obviously your gin's your favourite, there's no, no two ways about that, but uh, do you have another uh, another international gin that's your favourite, perhaps? Uh, well, I, I like uh, well, I like Hendrix and Tanqueray, but yeah. uh, Monkey 47 is... Monkey 47 uh, they're friends of mine, and what one I had was I love it. Uh, the bathtub gin from England, I yes. love. Yes. Uh, there's so many good ones. There is, isn't there? If if yeah. if it it might be very difficult because it's hard enough for us to get it from Scotland, but if you ever get the chance, the Isle of Harris uh, gin I from oh, it's made with uh, seaweed and it's just sugar kelp. It's so good. Oh. We we have a fellow in Newfoundland, he, Peter. He's actually from, uh, from he's British. Don't yeah. know where, but he makes the seaweed gin as well. Yeah, but, but it's nice. Oh yeah, I visited there. Technically, they were closed. And, oh man, we got drunk. <laughs> yeah, that's the way. That's first thing I seen when I walked in this distillery, we never met before. There was two bottles: a bottle of Steiner gin and a bottle of maple vodka. <laughs> In his distillery. I said, man, I like you. <laughs> Instant friend. Which, which distillery was that? Uh, that was in Newfoundland, Newfoundland Distilling Company. Oh, yes, nice. So um, what's next for you after your award? Uh, how do you see yourself going forward? Obviously taking out the big boys, 
What have you got plans for new uh, new gins? Oh, uh, well, thinking about it, like I, you know, the Latin dry is that's for me the gin, the the fruit flavor. Yes, uh, I always have like rhubarb. Like last year, we ran it. We ran out every year since I kept on this on so much rhubarb during harvesting time. We got close to twenty thousand pounds last year. Oh. And we'll get some more this year, I hope. Yeah. And I, I'm not quite sure. I'm, I'm thinking right now. I'm working on a, on a honey liqueur for. We have uh, my neighbor. He he's head of the Celtic Association. They they bring the Celtic magazine out, and they want something you know what the old Celts drink. And I'm making him a honey liqueur like with ginger, with vanilla, Oof. with cloves, with. And of course, honey. Yeah, that sounds absolutely yeah. delightful. Yeah, so we don't know where to get your gin here, so we've not tasted it. We will we will seek some out. Uh, you're probably in the Canadian Embassy. You can get some in London. I do events there. I, I'm normally every two years in Birmingham. Whatever show that every, you know, hotel show, don't have a distributor there yet. Yeah, so what makes your gin different, if you were to describe the flavour for uh, anyone that's the lay person? Uh, very complex, 26 different botanicals. 26. If you could see the bottle, it says, if I could explain yeah. how the strain makes me feel. <laughs> I think you cannot do it maybe from one sommelier to the other. I'm not a sommelier. Yeah. All I can say, and that's my whole sales pitch wherever I go, yeah. put the bottle on the table, try it. Try it, yeah. Uh, if, you like, if you like it, you buy it. If you don't, you tell me where to go. <laughs> I've never been told where to go yet. <laughs> that's that's the, that's the best possible advert for your own uh, your own gin you can possibly have, isn't it? Nobody yeah. hasn't liked it. Person who doesn't like it, period. But I I converted many non gin drinkers. Yeah. You know we, we we open here to the public seven days a week. People come in and say, ah, oh, we don't like gin, and I say, well, you try this and. I would say a good percentage say, "Ooh, I can drink this." Yeah, I've I've been doing that myself. There's a lot of, it's the tonic a lot of people don't like as well. Yeah, but, my drink goes great with with just about anything, like a plain Canada Dry with Fever Tree with Phantom Yeah, classic with Franklin and Sons. I love the Franklin and Sons. Yeah, Franklin and Sons is beautiful. Yes, low calorie one. Yeah, um, so where do you source the botanicals for you for you, Jim? Uh, the only thing I get local is hop and lavender. Uh, the chunma berries come from Tuscany, stuff from India. Wherever I can, wherever I get the best quality. Yeah. Like I could buy at the local wholesalers here, I could buy the chunma berries for a third of the price. Yeah. But paying right now, for me, the best the best berries come from Tuscany. Ah. I, I tried with local chunwa berries, but our summers are way too short. They don't ripen. Like yeah, for course. me, if I try chunwa berry, it has to be almost sweet. Yeah. So I've got the taste what I want. I've got, yeah, yeah, you know, you know well, I'll tell you what, you're not yeah. wrong. If you're winning all the awards, you, I'd trust your taste buds. Yeah. That's absolutely ideal. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much, Thomas. And uh, I hope, I hope uh, that your success and uh, gin flows into the future. So thank you very much. I really appreciate this. Anytime. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And so we returned jet-lagged from our trip around the world. Such a journey. It was a journey. It was good fun. It was excellent fun. It's nice to be back. It is lovely to be back. We'll be back in two weeks 
with the next instalment. Hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, let us know what you've been up to for World Gin Day. Of course, yes, if you had any kind of spectacular celebrations of World Gin Day. And uh, thanks to everybody that was involved. Yeah, huge thanks to Thomas Steinhardt. Yes, thank you very much for that. Uh, Podbean for making us a podcast of the week. Yeah, featuring us for World Gin Day. Thanks, Podbean. If you're a podcaster, we highly recommend Podbean as a hosting channel. They're extremely helpful. Yep, always respond. Lovely stuff. Um, And of course, thank you to everyone that makes gin and makes it possible. And thank you to you for listening. We really appreciate it uh, very much. Uh, We'll be back in... Two weeks. Two weeks. See you then. Episode... 1.2 of season 3 in a way (laughs) see you then bye Mother's Room podcast was written and performed by Matthew Reed and Sarah Dunley theme tune written and performed by Holly Jazz Kotsier